Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another delicious episode of Foodie Films. Ooh, look at me changing up the recipe. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are y'all? Oh, my phone's dinging. Sorry, that's uh, unprofessional. But, uh, yeah, how y'all doing? I was recently down in Asheville, North Carolina, and Charleston, South Carolina. A little southern swing. I did that with my friend, my fellow podcast co-host of P.S. I Still Love Hoffman and P.S. I Love Hoffman, Brian Rodriguez. It was his bachelor party, and so a bunch of us, like 15 of us, went to Asheville, and then 11 of us went on to Charleston, and I, I gotta tell you, between the beer scene in Asheville, woo, and then the food scene in Charleston, I mean, not that the beer scene is bad, we went to a brewery in Charleston as well, but we were kind of breweried out uh, by that point. We went to like five breweries three days in a row, so like 15 breweries total, I think, or something like that in Asheville, and then, of course, drinking other places, and then we went to Charleston, and boy, the oysters down there, you guys know I like oysters, right? I mean, we got some good oysters up here, of course, like the Long Island Blue Points and all that, my favorite oyster spot in the city, New York City, that is, upstate you know, on the Lower East Side, shout out to Shane Covey, the owner of that, oh, it's such a great place, but the oysters... In Charleston, oh, they're just, like, so big and delicious and just, like, I, I just wanted to keep all the, like, the, you know, the seawater in this, or ocean water, whatever, salt water, all that in there and just slurp it and make sure to chew it. You know, you don't just slurp down an oyster, you chew on that bad boy. And they were delicious. And the shrimp and grits I had, oh, I wish I had the place on, it was Fleet Something in, like, the downtown area, the name of the restaurant, Fleet Something. And uh, the shrimp and grits I had there, oh, man. Mm. But I'm not talking about seafood and craft beer today. I'm talking pasta and a whole lot more with my guest, Allison Arevalo. And she has a book and a new restaurant. And oh, I just want to let you know, we recorded this. And at the end, I thought I was going to release the episode before the book was released. So we talk about pre-orders. You can order the book now. So stay tuned to find out where you can order the book, Pasta Friday. Or, I mean, it's pretty easy. Just Google it and you're going to find where you can order it. But this is a really fun episode. Allison is awesome. And I can't wait for you to listen to it. So here we go. 
Allison, thank you so much for having me at your home, and we're here, we're recording. We met just two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Two weeks ago to the date. Yep. And uh, well, let's just talk about kind of how we met. Jenna is our connective yes. tissue. So yeah, why, why were you uh, at the Time Out Marketplace <laughs> that day? Uh, well, I was meeting with Jenna that day to set up an event for my new cookbook that's coming out. Very exciting. Which, yeah, it was super exciting. To do an event at Time Out Market would be amazing because mm-hmm. um, I saw the space for the first time maybe a week after it opened. And just that like rooftop bar and all of the restaurants there, yeah. it's such an incredible space. So I was really excited to meet with her and um, hopefully set up an event. Yeah, so let's, uh, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, why don't you just explain a little bit about yourself, I guess, sure. just, yeah, where, what, what, what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I am a restaurateur and a cookbook author. Um, I have a restaurant in Oakland, California called mm-hmm. Homeroom, and it was all different kinds of mac and cheese. I co-founded it in 2011 and owned it for about seven years, uh, sold it recently, um, a little over a year ago, actually, now. Um, and then I have a cookbook with them called the Mac and Cheese Cookbook, oh. which, um, yeah, if you ever wanted to learn how to make all different kinds of mac and cheese, it's pretty great. Awesome. Um, and then I moved to New York about two months ago um, from here originally, but um, lived in Oakland for 11 years and moved back here. Okay. And yeah, now I'm working on my new restaurant and I have a cookbook coming out in about a month. Um, well, Lots. maybe even by the time, yeah, yeah, probably less by the time this comes out too. But so yeah, it's exciting. Lots of new things. Lots of new things. So you're from New York originally. Let's yeah. let's let's start at the beginning. Sure. What, what where did you grow up and who was cooking? What were you eating? All of that good stuff. Yeah. So I grew up in the five towns, uh, which are right by, like these small little towns right by Kennedy Airport. Oh, okay. Um, so right on the border of Queens and Long Island. Um, I was often taking the subway into the city when I was a kid. <laughs> and we'd like, you know, drive to Kennedy Airport and watch the planes land like right out of Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, my family was all about food from you know, since as long as I could remember, you know, I would yeah. wake up in the morning and talk about what we're going to have for dinner. Um, and it was always my dad cooking and or my grandmother, or my great grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole family lived on the same block growing up. So we'd be able to run across the street to grandma's house or my aunt's house. That's and awesome. yeah. It was great. I mean, it was great until you're a teenager and you try to have parties at your house yeah. and everyone's watching you. Then it's not <laughs> so great. <laughs> But it's nice when you want your grandmother to make breakfast for you at seven o'clock in the morning. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was a good way to grow up. Um, but yeah, so um, every Sunday we would meet at my great grandmother's house. And until she was 92 years old, she'd make this big Italian feast for wow. the whole family. Um, yeah, like lots of meatballs and pigskin and um, sausage and homemade pastas. And, you know, it was just a big, a big feast. And mm-hmm. it was just how we ate it was just what we did you know every Sunday and the Sunday sauce yeah it was the Sunday (laughs) sauce and you know it really wasn't until I moved to California where I realized like oh like most people don't eat like this (laughs) you know (laughs) it was just such a common thing growing up growing up Uh, my all my friends did it um, all I had a lot of Italian American friends. I was gonna say a lot more Italian Americans also right here versus I assume in like yeah California Northern California not as many yeah um 
Yeah, and they also they they talk very differently. So <laughs> <laughs> people would look at me very strangely when I would order prosciutto or mozzarella, and oh, they're like, yeah. "What the hell is that?" And um, tropical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a thing in California. Um, so, but yeah, that's just you know that that's how we grew up. Every every night, my dad would would cook something, and I'd help him cook, or I'd cook, help my grandmother cook. Um, and our our lives just really revolved around food for as long as I can remember. Yeah, I love that you're saying like in the morning you'd be planning the next meal. That's just that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. things just in generally to do. Yes. And it's not like a measurement of the meal you're eating at the time. You're just even enjoying it so much, and you're just like, well, what, you know, it's almost like when you wake up and you're like, oh, I can't wait to do that, like, you know, from a good sleep, and you're like, that was so good, I can't wait to do that again. It's just yes. like a good meal. You're like, oh, I can't wait to have another good meal, <laughs> and you start planning your next meal. Yeah, it's. I mean, and it. I don't know how everyone doesn't live like that, but <laughs> <laughs> I think um, one day – and my husband and I were having a conversation and I said something to him like, it is not a good day unless you eat well. And he'll he'll throw that back at me often. He's like, well, how was your day today? What did you eat? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I really, I, I still feel that way. Like I always try to seek out good meals throughout the day. Cause even if you're having a bad day, it just makes you feel better. And one of the earliest, like, ahas of like starting a podcast about food and film is just like I was taking, you know, I mean, I had an Instagram and I just, friends kept saying like, it's like, you've got a food Instagram. Like I never see pictures of you on it. I'm like, well, I'm the one taking the picture. Like <laughs> it is me and this is what I'm enjoying. And my favorite thing to do like with then a good meal is especially, well, especially if I'm eating out mm-hmm. is to take a picture of it and then tag the place and say like, and so like, and hopefully do somewhat of a good job taking a picture. So it looks, you know, as appetizing yeah. as it l- looks in person and obviously tastes. And so then people can be like, Oh wow, that looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll ask me about it or they'll just see it and be like, Oh, I got to go there. Cause yeah, that's, that's the hope. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. That's the hope. And I'm sure as a restaurateur, that's <laughs> definitely yes. the hope hope for you you know which wasn't really the case um in 2011 when i was opening homeroom because instagram was barely a thing Mm -hmm. um and you're not thinking about well how is this service going to photograph and are these lights going to make the food look really appetizing in photos and you just didn't have to think about that but now planning a new place it's like oh wow all right well which materials are going to look good in photos and how could i put this by the windows where there's natural light yeah so there's all of these new things to think about now when you're opening a restaurant it's all about that natural light i always get furious i'm like in a place i'm like this is so good but i'm just like in a dark restaurant yeah yeah So growing up, when did you, I mean, I'm sure very early on, but when did like the passion for food begin? When, what was that next step for you besides just like being around and eating it? Like when did you start assisting or (laughs) anything like that? Well, I started helping with my grandmother when I was really young, when I was like seven or eight years old. After church, my mom would drop me off there and I'd help her make the meatballs. Mm -hmm. And she taught me, you know, all of the things that go into the sauce. And so I learned, I learned at a young age, but from there, um, the next step was working in restaurants. And um, I remember my first job in a restaurant was in front of the house. It wasn't back of the house, but um, I totally lied on my resume and said I was 18. And I think I was like 15 or 16. I was really (laughs) young. And I got a job at this really fancy fancy seafood restaurant on Long Island. And I don't know how they hired me, but they did. And I was serving, you know, like $50 lobster tails. And (laughs) it was the kind of place that you had to hold the bottle of wine to open it. You couldn't put it on the table to open it. And I had no idea how to open wine. So I used to have to share my tips with the other servers so they'd help me. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, that was the start of me just loving restaurant life, yeah. you know. And and since then, I just I always worked in restaurants through college, you know, after school. It was just it was always where I wanted to be. Um, and then when I went to college, I kind of figured like, okay, maybe I should major in something else, and maybe like I need to know something other than food. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so then I got a, I majored in marketing and I got a job doing um, writing and journalism. Oh, and, awesome. uh, yeah, so I, I had a pretty strong writing background and marketing background before I jumped into owning my own restaurant. Cool. Yeah. So when did you make the move? Because uh, when we met, you're, we were, you know, at, we had lunch together at the uh, marketplace. Yeah. And uh, you, you said that you and your husband got married, like, kind of right around there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but Dumbo, very, like, different now is uh, just, I mean, just even from, I think the first time I went there was, like, 2010. I was working on a show, and it's just so mm-hmm. different. It's so different. <laughs> Yeah, it's really different. But it was still, it was, you know, just on the brink of becoming like where everyone wanted to be mm-hmm. when we got married, which was in 2008. I think our wedding photo is like, probably, it's like right at that location that's the most Instagrammed place with like the bridge in the background oh, yeah, and the cobblestone yeah. street. But, you know, we did it way before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so my husband and I got married in 2008. Uh, we met at work. We were both working for a Columbia house where, yeah. you know, you get the 49 DVDs, 49-cent DVDs, and you yeah. had to join the club and stuff, and we were both writers there. And um, and after we got married, we just decided that we got tired of life in New York, of okay. um, living in Brooklyn and commuting into the city and the snow and getting our car towed, and we just got tired of it. So we... Um, quit our jobs and packed the car and moved to out moved out west to Oakland. Why uh why Oakland? Um well at first it was going to be Berkeley, which is, you know, right next door. Sure. And I had this idea in my head of what I thought Berkeley was like and in my head it looked like Hawaii, you know, like it was just <laughs> organic food everywhere and always sunny and hot and I had no idea. I mean, I went I've been to San Francisco once in my life when I was in college, but other than that, I'm like, all right, this doesn't work out. We'll move back. Why sure. not? So we <laughs> So we uh, moved there, and but it was always with the intention of opening a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do it in Brooklyn, but it just seemed at the time um, just too too hard to get in. You know, so we're like, all right, let's move somewhere where the weather's nice all the time. We don't have to deal with the elements. Um, we could figure it out from there. So, so yeah, so we moved to Oakland, and then less than a year later, I opened Homeroom. Wow, yeah, yeah. And you guys had you had, and your who was your uh, partner in it? Yeah, so I met my I met my partner at a cafe actually, oh, wow. and we were sharing a, a table at a coffee shop with our husbands, and we started chatting. And she was a lawyer, and she always wanted to open a restaurant, and um, I was working in marketing at the time for um, for Chevron Credit Union, and it was just it was terrible. It was such a terrible job, <laughs> but um, uh, so we were just talking about how we both it was a dream of our, of ours. And then she called me one day and she's like, let's do it. Let's quit our jobs and open a restaurant. And yeah. Yeah. So, so we did, we invested all of our life savings into Mac and cheese and prayed that it was going to work. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, a steep learning curve because neither one of us have ever earned or uh, owned a restaurant before. Mm -hmm. And we had to figure out ordering and scheduling and I mean, everything that goes into actually owning a restaurant instead of working in one. Yeah, what was that learning curve like? And then just like how long was that process of starting a restaurant for 
I mean, it was it was a pretty steep learning curve. Um, it took us before we opened. We had about a year where we were testing out all the recipes and building a brand mm-hmm. and and doing outreach and we were cooking mac and cheese at farmers markets and all kinds of events to get the word out. Um, but when we opened, we had uh, twelve employees. Mm-hmm. And I think like the first giant mistake that we made was um, before we opened, we put an ad up on Craigslist that was like, "Come work for the coolest new restaurant in Oakland, Homeroom, and <laughs> you'll be able to make your own hours, and you know you don't need any experience, and we're looking for great people." Like we just had this open roll call. We're like, "Just show up. We're gonna get interview you, and you know we'll see what <laughs> show happens." Show up to Homeroom. <laughs> yeah. So we did that, and we we got there, and there was a line down the block of people waiting to get interviewed. It wow. was insane. I mean, people were sleeping on the sidewalks. So my business partner and I, we had a split up and we both interviewed people for five minutes each. And then we'd be like, okay, what do you think of that person? What do you think of that person? Um, How and many people were you looking to hire? 12. Okay. And I think it the numbers went up to, I think we interviewed like 120 people that day. Because wow. yeah, one of the people that we ended up hiring was like number 106. And he's like, I'll always remember that. I was number 106. And he came in, he's like, do you guys need coffee? Do you need anything? Can I help you? And we're like, you are hired. <laughs> like, <laughs> you are the only one who's asked us that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was, that ended up being a terrible idea though. That is not a good way to hire people. Mm -hmm. Um, and we also tried to, we thought that giving people, um, less rules and, and expectations would be great ways to be bosses that, that everyone's adults, you know, they could choose their own vacation. They could choose their own shifts. Um, it turns out that's also a terrible idea that, um, people need expectations. Like yeah. they need to know, you know, when, what exactly is expected of them to feel, you know, comfortable and in a job and they need to know how to, um, how to grow in the role and how, yeah. and what they can learn and, um, how, cause that's actually how you empower people by, te- by explaining exactly what they need to do. And instead of saying like, Oh, it's all up to you, you got to do it all on your own. So, um, so it was a steep learning curve. We we started with 12 people. Um, we quickly grew. Our staff ended up being like close to 90 people when I left seven years later. Wow. And we had two locations. Um, so we did learn eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds like it, yeah. yeah. And uh, what was the reason behind like homeroom like I had the classroom vibe what was the you know yeah I mean um when you think of a time in life when you love eating mac and cheese Mm -hmm. it's when you're in school you know when you're passing notes in class and laughing with friends and so we wanted to bring back that nostalgic feel and Mm -hmm. we wanted people just to feel you know like happy and um and they feel like they want to make memories and you know just a really comfortable place to hang out and eat good food and mac and cheese I mean I think you have as soon as someone says mac and cheese, I think anyone's hooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our concern at first was how are people going to eat this more than like once a month or something like that? Like, how are we going to get repeat customers? Sure. Um, but we would have people that came in three times a week. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it turns out that people could eat a lot of mac and cheese. There you go. So, yeah. How many different types of mac and cheese did you have? Uh, about 12 on the menu. Okay. And we would rotate a couple of specials. But... Um, but yeah, and there was always some favorites. Like we would do a special mm-hmm. with Dungeness crab that was Ooh. delicious. That was always on like the top of the bestseller list. Yeah. And we had a Gilroy garlic mac, and that one was delicious. Um, so yeah, lots of different, lots of different kinds. I did not eat before coming here. I regret this <laughs> tremendously. I broke a cardinal rule. Of oh mine. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, so you opened it in two thousand. Two thousand eleven. Eleven. Yeah. And then you said you sold your share, like yeah. shares. Yeah. Like so a I sold it. Yeah. 
I sold in 2000, the end of 2017, maybe? So yeah, almost two years ago now, actually. What brought that on? Well, you know, we got to the point that it was, you know, like I said, 90, loca- 90 employees in two locations, and um, it, it became a very different job than mm-hmm. what I ha- than what we had when we first opened the restaurant. Um, it was lots of meetings and talking about expanding and talking about workers' comp, and it was just lots of meetings, yeah. and it was kind of what I tried to get away from. Yeah, when much I first... more the corporate. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I love restaurant life. Like, I love being in there and chatting with customers and creating recipes and, and just being totally like part of it. But what I don't love is having an office job. Yeah. So when it got to be that point and it was tough cause I was like, man, like I am miserable. And it was, you know, my business, you know, yeah. it's like, how do you get out of something that you created? So it was, it was a really tough spot and I didn't know what I was going to do for, for a while. But, um, and then right around that time, too, my son got really sick. He needed oh. a really risky surgery, and my sister had stage four cancer. And I'm sorry so, to hear that. Yeah, so there was a lot of personal things going on in my life at the same time that I was like, you know what? Like, I think I need to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sold to my business partner. So Homeroom's still around. She owns 100% of it now. And um, so I sold my shares. And it totally ended up being the best thing. Like, when, when it was all said and done, I just felt like what an amazing decision I made. Like I that's didn't, great. Yeah, I yeah. totally didn't regret it at all. I thought it was, you know, really worth it. And that's where Pasta Friday kind of started, yeah. Then, right? Yeah, exactly. So right when I was going through all of that, um, I realized, because I had two young kids at the time, mm-hmm. and I was going through trying to sell my business and, um, you know, and helping my sister, and it was just, it was a lot of stress. And I felt that the only times that I really felt good and better about myself and happy was when I was cooking for my friends. Sure. So I started inviting them over on Fridays. So uh, it started out with just a few people, and I'm like, hey, come over, I'm going to make some pasta, let's all hang out, bring some wine. And within a few weeks, it grew to this big thing, and like more and more people found out about it. They're like, hey, can I get an invite to Pasta Friday? And I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I started an email list, and then I started some rules, because I have learned about expectations, and people need to know what, you know, what to expect. Yeah. So I have a whole list of rules at the end of the email, which is actually kind of funny at this point. But um but yeah, the list grew to over 100 people, and I'd be cooking for like 40 adults and 20 kids every wow. Friday, um, and it was crazy and hectic, but also amazing. Yeah, and what, what, I mean, what goes into the preparation of that? I mean, that's got to be a lot of <laughs> it's work. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Um I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's not always a lot of work. It depends on the recipe and what sure. I was trying to achieve that week, but um it's just when you cook for pasta, when you cook pasta for a lot of people, it stretches. So you could really, you don't have to cook that many things to feed 20 people. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not as hard as people would think that it was, mm-hmm. or maybe it got easier since I've done, you know, like over 50 of these dinners already. But, um, but yeah, I would normally start the day before. I would just think about the menu and everything that I needed to get and anything that needed to be prepped ahead of time. I would, I would do, or if I was doing meatballs, I'd you know, make them ahead of time, maybe throw them in the freezer. Um, but then I would just have people help me when they showed up too. So if things oh, weren't prepped, yeah. it's like, all right, well, who's going to be cutting some onions and who's going to, you know, cut the peaches for the salad. And <laughs> and people actually love that. I mean, they, they love feeling like they're part of it um, and became routine, you know, because the 
generally the same people would come every week and they would probably be between 10 and 15 either newcomers or people guests of yeah. other people and and um so all of the regulars would be like okay well i'm on kids pasta and i'm gonna cut the baguettes and someone else brought the popsicles and so and it really did become a community that way because yeah. people just everyone knew each other everyone knew what their role was when they came in and um so yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, what was that atmosphere like? I mean, just obviously starting out with a small group and expanding, and I'm sure through that, people obviously met people they didn't know before, and friendships yeah. were bonded through that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that um, all of the relationships that came out of Pasta Friday. Um, there was one breakup. That's unfortunate, and I. Like, they were breaking up actually like at the table and I sat down and had no idea what was going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But, um, but yeah, people talking about business ideas and, um, you know, different kids that became really good friends and school ideas and just all of these, these people who never knew each other who became yeah. so close. But the funny thing too is um, no one really knew what anyone did for a living. Like people would come in and they would chat and they talk about they talk about their work week and like things that they did. But you know, I'd be ch- chatting with you know one example is my friend Randy, who's the CEO of a, a big tech company, and I'm chatting with him and he's like, oh, I really love Holly and Fernando and I see them every week and what did it, what do they do? I'm like, well, Holly's actually a chef at Chez Panisse, and he's like, what? You know, <laughs> and it's like you never know that people have these amazing jobs and. Um, because it wasn't about that. It just mm-hmm. wasn't about connecting or networking on that level. It was about talking about life, you know, and just yeah. getting to know what people needed or, you know, who needs a babysitter and who is looking for, you know, advice on something. And um, that same guy, Randy, told me, he's like, you have given me the big Italian family that I have always wanted, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just so great. Um, and it was true. We really did just become a family in that way. What do you think are like the important things of that creating a family and a community and traditions like I mean do you th- that's something I feel like we've kind of lost you know yeah. over the years so um, I think it has to be consistent you know it doesn't have to be every week um, putting on an event like that every week is is really it's hard. a big undertaking it's, it, it is, is it is but it has to be at least once a month you know and for it to like gain momentum and for everyone to feel comfortable with each other and if yeah. you start doing it less than once a month I feel like it's not it doesn't achieve the same purpose like then it just becomes a gathering or it becomes just entertaining yeah. but if you can do it at least once a month and you know hopefully at least some of the same people come every week and then you you know invite more people and but um but yeah I think the consistency really makes a big difference I love entertaining and that's just like <laughs> hearing that like is something I think I definitely want to start doing. And then also I love down New Orleans is like my favorite food city. Yeah. And I love on Mondays they do red beans and rice. Like that's just, and it comes just from the simple tradition or not even tradition, but just that everyone did their laundry on Mondays <laughs> and they knew they could leave like red beans and rice cooking on the stove oh, wow. and so now that's just like you go down there and the red, you know, red beans and rice like you just you hear that and sometimes you know you people hear pasta and they're just like oh it's simple but it just can obviously the more mm-hmm. not even the more you add to it obviously you know mm-hmm. uh but just you know you find certain flavorful things to put into it yeah and it just becomes this special dish yeah that just everyone exactly circles around and craves yes and yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like i mean so you obviously a lot of decisions, you know, I mean, so you moved out to Oakland, then you, you know, then you started up a restaurant Mm -hmm. and then you decided to leave (laughs) uh, that business. And then you started doing pasta Fridays. 
what was what made the decision of uh, coming back to New York, and how did that? What was that like for you? And you said, obviously, you have your husband, your two sons. Yeah. What was that like? It was a really hard decision to come back to New York. Um, we we love Oakland, and yeah. you know we had this community there, yeah, exactly. and you know even all of our our friends were they really were like family. Like we spent Christmas and Thanksgiving with our friends, and I mean all of our kids we'd have sleepovers. I mean they we were all so so close. Mm-hmm. So, and we have we had this like beautiful house with a really nice kitchen and the perfect neighborhood. Like it, we, yeah, Oakland is a great, is a great place to live. Um, so we made the decision probably almost, almost a year ago at this point. So I, you know, like I said before, my sister was diagnosed with, Mm -hmm. with cancer and we found out, um, that it got worse. So she was diagnosed probably like seven years ago at this point. And she was only given a few weeks to live at that point. And she lived six years past that, which was amazing. But it was a hard six years. I mean, it was constant treatments and um, in and out of the hospital. And so she, she fought for a really long time. And then we found out that it spread and the doctors were giving her a year to live. Mm-hmm. So at that point, um, my husband and I were like, we, we got to move. Yeah. And it was the right thing to do. I mean, my sister and I were very, were very, very close. And she's got two little girls. Oh. So, um, so we made the decision to move. We were going to wait until my older son finished first grade and we were going to move in June or May. And so we figured we'd still have some time. Um, but she ended up passing away two months after that. So instead of having, yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, so she didn't have as much time as we thought. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we moved here and now, you know, to be closer to my, my parents and to my nieces and, you know, my nieces actually stayed with us this weekend and it was so great. So it's so nice that we get to be with them all the time. And, um, so we're happy we, we made the move and we love New York and we love Brooklyn. So, you know, even though Oakland was great, I feel like it already has been such a smoother transition than we imagined it would be. So we're happy to be back. What are some of the differences you see like back here now, or just differences in general between here and Oakland? Just let's go. Let's start with food and like, oh, products. It is so different. Uh, <laughs> produce and meats and all of that. Um, okay, produce is way better in Oakland. <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been trying to find. Maybe I just haven't been here long enough, and I haven't been exploring mm-hmm. enough. But um, I just haven't been able to find really great produce in New York, other than at like the farmers market Farmer, yeah. and at Whole Foods. But um, yeah, in Oakland, you could just find it almost everywhere. Like all the little markets have really good produce. There's a farmer's market almost every day of the week that you could find somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's all year round. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely the big negative here is that mm-hmm. once late fall, winter, you know, comes around. Yeah. I mean, there's more variety in Oakland, too. I okay. mean, um, one of the best things in California in the summer is Padron peppers, which I cannot find at all here. Like We have shishito peppers here, but not Padrones. Um, and Padrones are much better, I think. <laughs> uh, the peaches, I think, are better in California. Uh, yeah, like all the stone fruits. But, um, but I got to say, the, the other side of that, um, we've been eating out, not not a lot, but often since we moved back to New York. Mm. And eating out is way better in New York than it wow. is in Oakland. Okay. Yeah. So I think cooking at home is better in um, in the the Bay Area. But um, eating out, we've had such better restaurant experiences here. Uh, just in the sense of the quality or quantity of places or just, I mean... Um, I think both, you know, okay. like here you can go and get a $5 falafel and it could be amazing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's really hard to do that in San Francisco or Oakland. It's really okay. hard to find budget, 
budget items, you know, yeah. like there's, there are food trucks, but even the food trucks are really expensive. Um, you can find really good cheap tacos. I think that's the exception. There's really, really good tacos in the Bay area. But, um, but yeah, the, like the cheap food in New York is, is much better. Going to a nicer restaurant is actually less expensive in New York than it is in San Francisco. Mm. Um, in San Francisco, I find that like the, you go out typical cocktail price is $20. Wow. $20 is like typical at, at like a nice place. Yeah. yeah. And which is not the case here. I mean, I find that it's more like $15 at a really nice yeah, restaurant is, here, yeah. which is okay. Which you know, okay. it's, could be better. It but. could be better, but it's definitely <laughs> but better it's than definitely San Francisco. Than, yeah. But yeah, the places that we've gone so far are, our bill is way less than what it, what it was in San Francisco. <laughs> so it's been really nice. <laughs> um, So you're opening up a new restaurant. Yes. And just tell me about that. What I mean, going into that process, because you've got your book coming out, you've got opening up the restaurant. Yeah. What was the order of that, and what have you... Uh... Well, I mean, I wasn't expecting to open a restaurant um, so quickly after moving here. Okay. I mean, the intent was going to be to, um, you know, promote the book and work on events for, for the book and help my boys transition to the school and hang out with my family. Um, but we found this location and it was just so perfect. And we actually found the location before we even found a place to live. And, you know, it, we saw it online and I was like, Oh my God, I need to, I, this is it. Like I have to open <laughs> something there. And, um, so I, I came down to, to check it out while we we're still living there. And we, we went into contract on it and it's great. I mean, it's really small. Um, it's called, the place is going to be called pasta Louise and it's going to be all kinds of fresh pasta with a bunch of sauces, um, homemade popsicles for kids, lots of salads, beer and wine, um, totally kid friendly. And yeah, it's going to be on 8th Avenue in the corner of 8th Street. So 8th and 8th, right by Prospect Park, right by the subway. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good location. I think it's going to, I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, you know, hopefully lots of takeout, but also some seats. Um, So yeah, it's, it's exciting. Sounds a lot like Pasta Friday, just right? I mean, just as far as the menu and Yeah, it will be similar to Pasta Friday. Um, I didn't think that Pasta Friday was a good name for a restaurant. (laughs) I was thinking about, like, well, maybe there could be some consistency there. And also, um, TGI Fridays was not very happy with that idea. They made that clear to me, so... (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, and I decided on pasta Louise because, uh, it's my middle name and it was also my grandmother's name. Very nice. So yeah, it was a good connection to my family and, uh, yeah. And the idea would be to do pasta Friday type events there also. Mm. So I'm going to do, um, yeah, either on Fridays or other days, do some kind of like big pasta night where you could bring family and friends and, mm. and things like that. There's going to be, um, I'm also a big runner and there's going to be running events. So you could maybe do like a lap around Prospect Park and then come and have a big pasta dinner. So ah, do things like yeah. that. Um, yeah, and we're probably going to have a mac and cheese there too. We could do like a mac and cheese Mondays or something like that. <laughs> I feel like, how could I not? Um, but but yeah, so it'll be, it'll be exciting. Are you... Th- <laughs> that, that was, was my dog. Was, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I thought it was a bird for a second. <laughs> Her ears flapping. <laughs> uh, do you see possibly trying to recreate Pasta Friday like at your home here again? Like, after, oh yeah, like, I've already started doing it. Oh okay. So yeah, I mean, I w- that was another thing that I wasn't going to start doing right away because <laughs> I'm like, I have all these other things I have to work on. But uh, yeah, as soon as we got here, my older son Nico was like, "Mama, when's Pasta Friday?" Yeah. And I was like. 
oh, maybe this week will be Pasta Friday. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, and I have friends here from college and uh, friends that we knew when we lived in Brooklyn before mm -hmm. we moved. And my husband has family here too. And so, um, so yeah, our list is already, I think, up to maybe like 20 or 30 people wow. we have on the list already. So, um, yeah, we've done two official ones. We did a couple of, you know, practice runs before I sent out any emails but but it was great the last one especially was really was really great because mm -hmm. the kids really were bonding and running around and um, they really enjoyed it so it was That's fun. awesome yeah, yeah it must be really nice to reconnecting reuniting with people and just what a perfect yeah way to do it yeah it's funny um, reuniting with people after so many years because yeah. a lot of the people here I knew when I was in college and you're still sort of children and now we all have our own children and we're all adults and it's you know you're you're really just getting to know each other again which is it's kind of great it's it's pretty amazing tell me about the process of book publishing so you you know mm -hmm. you're you have one published already one is yeah. you know on its way yeah um it is it's a tough process and it takes a really long time um, so the first step is you write a proposal mm -hmm. and your proposal is basically a short version of your cookbook. So you, it needs to have the voice and the basic design and most importantly, who you're going to sell it to and how you're going to sell it. So okay. you need to prove to a publisher that, um, you could sell a ton of books for them and you know why people will buy it. So that, that's what they look for when they start flipping through your proposal. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to decide if you want an agent or not, if you want to shop it around yourself to publishers or if you want someone to do it for you. Um, in my case, for the first cookbook, I did not have a, an agent because um, our publisher basically came to us. So it was published by 10 Speed Press and their office was right by Homeroom and they'd come in for lunch all the time. And oh, they're perfect. like, we don't have a mac and cheese cookbook in our library and we'd love if you would write one. Wow. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's, um, that was served to you right on a platter. And that, at least in that yeah. way of just like someone saying like, we don't have this kind of book versus, you know, I feel like normally yeah. people are like, ooh, where can I, what isn't being, you know, Mm -hmm. utilized, you know, exactly. yeah, or, you know, yeah, like, I mean, the, I had Kristen Tomlin on of dough yeah. and, uh, you know, she, it's a cookie dough business. Yeah. And I was saying to her, like, I'm like, I'm not trying to take anything away from you, <laughs> but like eating cookie dough is just, you know, like, but, you know, whenever you're making something growing up, that's just like, that was like the number one thing. So I'm just a little surprised that, you know, like kudos to you that you capitalized yeah, on it, yeah. but that no one really had like a big, you know, healthy not healthy well no offense <laughs> <laughs> i'm digging myself uh, <laughs> but uh, you know uh you know because people there's all the negative you know people think you're gonna get sick from eggs so they found right, a right. you know a, a safe way yeah. for you to eat you know cookie dough yeah yeah and so that's just that was pretty impressive so that's kind of awesome that they came mm -hmm. to you and said yeah, oh, yeah. cheese. Like, let's make a book. I mean, and it was 10 Speed, which is an awesome publisher. So we, we definitely lucked out with, with them. And they were totally great to work with. And we, you know, we had a great experience with 10 Speed. Um, but the only issue with going that route is you don't have anyone to negotiate your contract for you. Oh, okay. um, and when you have a restaurant, it's a little different because a cookbook is such a great marketing tool. So it almost doesn't matter unless you're getting completely robbed. Like, it almost doesn't matter what your contract is like because you, now you have this great tool that you could sell at your restaurant that another way to bring people in the sure. door. Yeah. So, so it, it didn't quite matter as much. Um, for my second cookbook, I did have an agent because um, I didn't have a restaurant yet and I wanted to make sure that, you know, the contract is, um, you know, what I needed it to be and that, it, you know, it was fair. And um, so 
And actually, the agent that I got was a friend of mine, um, this woman, Michelle Krim, who was, um, she worked in the marketing department at 10 Speed. And so her and I knew each other from the first book. And we worked really well together and we had a great relationship. And so I emailed her. I'm like, do you want to meet up for coffee? I have this idea. I want to run it past you, see, see what you think. And so I showed her my proposal and I was like, I don't know. Do I need an agent? What do you think? And she's like, I'll be your agent. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> she's like, yeah, why not? I'm going to start up an agency. And she did. She started, started up her own agency. I was her first client. And now she has like a million, not a million. She has a lot of really great clients and this successful business. And she's just an all around great person and a good friend of mine. So, so Michelle became my agent and she, um, shopped around the proposal to a few different publishers. And, um, and it's funny because once you start doing that, publishers have an idea of what they want the book to be. So you could write a proposal and they'll be like, well, this is great, except you need to make these changes. So in my case, um, a lot of publishers wanted it to be an Instapot book because that's sort of what sells. Yeah. yeah, So like, well, you could do these recipes in an Instapot, right? And I was like, well, I guess, but I don't really want to. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I ended up choosing um, Andrews McMeal to publish this this book because they were giving me a great deal of creative freedom. And they loved the, the proposal the way it was, and they loved the, the recipes the way they were laid out. And um, and I, I just really liked their vision for what how the book was going to turn out. So I'm really happy with them. That's awesome. Yeah, because yeah. Pasta Friday had already been covered back when you were living out in Oakland as far as like a write, like write-ups about it and that kind of stuff. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. So there must have been a pretty good clear and then op- you going in with your, your game plan for them to understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, yes. when we met and you had your book out, I was, you know, perusing it and I just, I, I love it. I love the pictures. Oh, thank you. I love, you know, <laughs> you got pictures of your, your boys in there and just like, it just really does feel, you know, I don't know how to verbally explain it, but just what you imagine when you friends and family and just everyone getting together just for, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's what we really, we wanted to get across. Yeah. Like I didn't want it to look like a family photo album. And that was my concern at first. I'm like, okay, we're going to have all of these pictures of these lifestyle shots of people. I'm like, I don't want people, I don't want someone to look at it and be like, who are these people? Why do I care? But <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to look more like, you know, like you could imagine yourself hosting one of these and having all these people at your house and, you know, seeing kids, you know, steal bread off the counter and, um, and yeah, like just have people imagine what their life could be like if they, if they have their own tradition of pasta Friday. Uh, cause it really is this, this life changing thing and you don't realize it right away. It takes a few nights or a few of these dinners to be like, wow, like you, you suddenly have all of these people to count on, which is amazing. You know, people that you call when you need a last minute babysitter, people that you call when you are just having a bad day, when you want to go out for a girl's night or, you know, when the guys want to go out to karaoke or, I mean, like all of these things that ended up coming out of it. It mm-hmm. was just, it really was incredible. Um, and so we've got the book, we've got the <laughs> restaurant, any, like, I mean, it seems like you like, no pun intended, keep your plate pretty full. <laughs> yeah, like do I don't you, even... Yeah. mean to do it it just kind of keeps happening (laughs) you know I think that like since um we decided to move to to California you know like I I tend to be sort of impulsive I think Mm -hmm. and I just I make these decisions and I have working out (laughs) it seems to be working out yes luckily 
but I'm, I'm impulsive may not be the right word. I used to always think of myself as impulsive, but I think I just also, I like to make decisions and stick to them. I'm not the kind of person that will make a decision and think about it a week later and be like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's like, nope, made it. I'm following through. I'm doing it. And so even, you know, when I decided to write this cookbook, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And it was, and it was hard. And, you know, when all of these publishers are like, well, this is not exactly what we want. You know, I don't know if we're going to take it. And it would have been really easy to be like, all right, well, you know, I'll go on. I Maybe I should just forget this or maybe I just move on to something else. But like, you know, I just, I, I have a hard time taking no for an answer. Like I really, like I will push until it's very clear that something won't work or mm -hmm. I'll figure out a way to make it work. Um, yeah. And I, I just, I've just always kind of been that way. Yeah. You know, I have just made these decisions and just like, all right, well, this is what's next. And I keep thinking like, all right, I'm going to have a year that's kind of on the down low and I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to like take things easy this year. <laughs> and then that just ends up not happening somehow. Like, so like an opportunity will just come my way. And I'm like, okay, well now I'm doing this. And you know, like last year I ended up going to Italy and learning how to make pasta from this pasta company because I partnered with them for Pasta Friday. And wow, it was just, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just this what amazing, um, they're called Rustichella de Abruzzo. Mm -hmm. And it's owned by um, this brother and sister, uh, Stefania and John Luigi. And, they, and they're distributed into the U.S. by um, this importing company called Manicretti. And I have a relationship with Manicretti also. And every, they're all just amazing and before I even had a contract for the cookbook I contacted them like hey this is my idea and I love your pasta I use it all the time and I would love for us to do something together and since then I mean I now have this incredible relationship with the people who own Manicretti with the people who own the pasta company and they invited me to Italy to um, see their factory and they put me up in a castle <laughs> like, <laughs> what a castle <laughs> yeah this castle in Abruzzo um, every year they do this event called Primo Grano okay. where they invite about 12 people from all over the world to learn more about their pasta right. and normally it's you know distributors or chefs and then there was me and everyone's like what do you do I'm like well I'm not I, I write cookbooks and I think I'm going to open a restaurant. So like I, you know, I wasn't exactly the person, the kind of person that they normally invite. Mm -hmm. But um, so they invited me to this event and I got to meet people from China and Israel and um, a couple of other people from California and from Germany and um, Brazil, like just everywhere. Yeah. And they took for seven days, they took us all around Abruzzo and took us to um, their mills and their factory. And we had a class with Stefania where she taught us the traditional way to make guitarra. And um, it was just, it was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, it was a great, it was a really great opportunity. And now um, I actually saw both of them were in New York for the Fancy Food Show recently. So I got to reconnect with them, oh, which great. was great. But, um, but yeah, I mean, these things just sort of, I'm not going to say that things just happen because I feel like I push really hard in my life to make these things happen. But uh but it's been, it's been pretty great. It's been exciting. There's been like very, very high highs and very low lows in my life <laughs> <laughs> do you have any like favorite things to do ho hobbies like decompression from like from it all like when it comes to cooking like do you ever get that's i don't want to say sick of it but just you know anything yeah. just to take your mind off of it all yeah i mean i i run a lot okay um and that's definitely my like decompression like good, i need a good thing to do if you're eating a lot of pasta it, it's too. also a lot yes <laughs> I, I think about it often, like whenever, on Fridays when I run around Prospect Park, I'm like, pasta Friday night, I gotta keep running, keep running. But um, yeah, I, but not only to so I could eat lots of carbs, but also it's like my alone time, mm -hmm. my time without kids, the time that I could think about how my day is gonna go, um, just 
burn off some steam and it's just it's for me it's the perfect head clearing activity um so yeah i run almost every day and i feel like if i don't i get jittery and you know i think it's like the day just doesn't feel right so i don't know now living in new york though i don't know i got to figure out what i'm going to do in the winter <laughs> might need a treadmill or something but <laughs> obviously i want people to go out and well, right away even pre- pre-order your book or go yeah. out and, bu- and buy your book but is there any kind of little uh snippet like an idea that you can give uh the listeners what the, what to expect from the book or you know yeah um so the book is set up seasonally and it's it's set up so you could basically start anywhere you want and and easily start doing your own pasta fridays so you could open it up you know in the new year or in summer and there's there are 52 pasta recipes and all of them use a different shape of pasta oh that's um, fun yeah which was cool because um rusticella the pasta company was actually super excited about that because they have like over 100 shapes and they're like oh we could you know you could test out this one and that one and all these cool things that people don't know about mm-hmm. um so each recipe uses a different shape um but i also give substitutions for because it's not always easy to find these um, somewhat rare shapes, I guess you could say. Um, so you could just start anywhere and, and, and have your own pasta nights. There's lots of tips on how to scale up for a crowd and how to shop on a budget and where to find ingredients. And there's stories about how Pasta Friday started and how to control all those kids in your house. Mm-hmm. And um, I try to make it really easy for people to to take the book and just go. Um it's not intended to be the cookbook that sits on your coffee table. You know, it's paperback. It's meant to get dirty. It's meant to, you know, to be used often. Um, The recipes can also be made on a weeknight for your family. It doesn't have to be for a big crowd. Um, And they're just really somewhat creative, um, also kind of nostalgic and just really comforting pastas. It's awesome. Yeah. Do you have a favorite kind of pasta? Um, yes. Well, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it changes, but I would say right now my two favorite shapes of pasta yeah. are bucatini and pakari okay. are my two favorite shapes. And they're, they're pretty different. You know, bucatini is long and thick and it's got a hole in the middle mm-hmm. and it's just fun to slurp it and like have the sauce get stuck in it. And they're just, <laughs> it's just so much fun to eat. And pakari is, um, like a really sort of like a big rigatoni, except it's thinner um, and it doesn't have ridges and, um, it's also just, you could stuff it with things or you could have it with like a cheesy pasta with all the cheese gets stuck in it. Or you could have it with like a slick kind of seafoody pasta, a seafoody sauce. And it's also it's just really good. Yeah. What, what goes into figuring out like what sauce for what pasta? It's a world I know very little. Of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not quite a science, and a lot of it okay. is based on what you like. But sure. I think there are there are some rules. I don't even know if I'd call them rules, but there are some things to think about when you're pairing sauce with uh, with pasta. Like last night when my nieces were here, I made um, a vodka sauce, and I was asking my 13 year old niece Jasmine, I'm like, well, what kind of shape do you want? And I put a whole bunch. Of, I have so much pasta in the house, and I just like put all these shapes out on the table. She's like, well, Penny, obviously. <laughs> and I was like, really? She's like oh yeah like you can't have vodka sauce with anything else so I was like okay but um but in a way she's right because I I think that the ridges on the penne um help really uh capture the cream sauce and it gets you know all the nice cream the cream sauce gets stuck in the middle and it's just a fun shape to stick on your fork and eat with with vodka sauce um I think that like linguine which is 
you know, like all, like thin and slick. Sauce doesn't really stick as much to it, yeah. but I, like linguine is really good with like a scampi. Or I was just going to say like a clam. Like, yeah, yeah, like I think yeah. like when I think of linguine, I think seafood because I like the, sli- the slickness of it. Um, I also like it with something with like guanciale when you have that like the fat renders and it also gives you that silky sauce and that's also kind of good with linguine. Again, regretting that I didn't eat before. <laughs> I'm asking the question. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that there's um, more traditional Italian cooks that will um, have way more to say about pairing pasta with sauces mm-hmm. than than I do. You know, I think that I this book is not an authentic Italian cookbook. I mean, I I, I tried to stick to some rules, I guess you would say, but I mean, I could I could see some traditional Italian cooks being like, oh no no no, this is not the way you you make the sauce for meatballs or, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I just combine my my cooking from my great grandmother Mm -hmm. from, you know, 11 years in Oakland from growing up in New York. And it's just sort of a combination of all of these, you know, techniques and ingredients that, that kind of come together for the way that I cook. Yeah. Well, I think that's what, I mean, pasta is that forever evolving food, but at the same time, it's, I mean, maybe, maybe the sauces are, but pasta, I guess itself isn't, but it's just that food that, you can, you know, that obviously you can make it in your home or you can go out to a fancy restaurant and, yeah. and, and have it too. And there's this uh, place in Jersey City called uh, Cordo and it's, uh, I believe I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Cucina Povera. So it's like the pauper's kitchen uh-huh. kind of style. And they have, you know, it's a s- simple menu, you know, four different appetizers and it's forever, you know, always changing, you know, week to week or every other week. And, uh, you know, four different appetizers and then they have, you know, then a big like four or five different bowls of pasta and then like three different entrees to choose from. Mm. But their pastas, they have this one, I think it's called like the midnight spaghetti and it's got, you know, anchovies in it and capers. And oh, it's just perfect. like and little, <laughs> little bits of bacon. It was pretty much, uh, you know, and then my girlfriend says, like, oh, my grandfather, because he's, uh, her, her grandfather's Croatian, you know, right, right next to yeah. Italy. And she's like, oh, this is exactly what he would make when, when I was younger. And it's oh, just like, you kind of take good. the little le- leftovers, everything, and put yeah. it into the, into the spaghetti and some hazing. And yes. it is. And that's just like, and that's the fun thing that I think that, that that's what's going to be fun, you know, with anyone that gets your cookbook and tries to make those recipes. So yeah. they can realize, like, oh, yeah, I can make something really tasty and meaningful and pleasurable and it's just right in my own you know right in my own home yeah I and mean, pasta could be so easy yeah with just a, a few ingredients like if you would just have you know a pound of pasta a lemon salt and butter like you could be said <laughs> maybe some fresh herbs but uh yeah i mean you could it's it's so easy to make something great with just a with just a few things is there anything between your restaurant i'm sure even back with uh with uh you know, mac and cheese and everything like that, the gluten-free, I mean, that definitely yeah. came much more into the spotlight in the past 10 mm-hmm. years or so. What, what kind of change, not even changes, but just things you've, you know, as a restaurateur that you see that, you know, y- you've done or others are doing to help with that? Yeah, I mean, at Homeroom, um, all of the mac and cheeses were available gluten-free. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and that was definitely a necessity in Oakland because even before we opened, every, like, so many people would email us and con- and or contact us and just like, you can have gluten-free, you can have gluten-free. Um, 
so we found some great gluten-free pasta and we, we um, tested out different recipes to make a bechamel that is gluten-free. And I feel like, you know, it, it's not an easy thing to do because you could say something's gluten-free and use, you know, a not great brand of pasta and it just falls apart in the sauce. Yeah. Or um, the bechamel, you need to find the right flour to go in it. And a lot of the flours, the gluten-free flours have a very strong taste. So if you're using like a potato flour, I don't know, is potato flour even gluten-free? I think it is. Um, there's all these flours that just really taste like what it is. So we we had to test out a bunch of them. Tapioca flour ended up being a really great choice. Oh, okay. So we used that for years, and then we ended up using a blend of a few different flours. But... Um, yeah, you gotta really experiment and play with different um, play with different ingredients to see which one's gonna work. But I'll definitely have gluten free options at the new restaurant. Um, and vegan too. I mean, there were lots oh, of yeah. um, lots of people who requested a vegan mac and cheese at Homeroom, and ours was actually like really great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we didn't believe in using any of the the fake cheeses, mm-hmm. you know. So we wanted to make a sauce that was. Um, based on just like spices and consistency. And so we used nutritional yeast and, and a bunch of really good spices and some garlic and, and um, soy sauce. And um, and we had, it came in with, it had this really amazing creamy texture and it's salty taste. And a lot of people who weren't even vegan would get it and they would add bacon to it or sausage and, um, which Never was- Never hurts. <laughs> the vegan mac and cheese with bacon and mushrooms was really good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was for people mainly who didn't have, didn't eat dairy. So okay. there wasn't, I mean, we would always do a pasta with like vegetables and, and butter or uh, not butter with like olive oil for people who wouldn't eat dairy, but okay. they would often come in and get the vegan mac with meat added to it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be foodie films if we didn't talk a couple of uh, tasty food scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked you some of your favorite movies and I decided to go <laughs> with... Uh, Two different scenes. I feel like they're, you know, the juxtaposition of them works pretty well. Uh, how about we start with Goodfellas and <laughs> stirring the sauce? Like that, just like <laughs> Ray Liotta explaining the sauce. That's just, I love it. So we'll play that clip and we'll talk about it. See, I was cooking dinner that night. I had to start braising the beef, pork butt, and veal shanks for the tomato sauce. I'm going to make them all. I'm going to make all this meat. It was Michael's favorite. I was making ziti with the meat gravy, and I'm planning to roast some peppers over the flames, and I was going to put on some string beans with some olive oil and garlic, and I had some beautiful cutlets that were cut just right that I was going to fry up before dinner just as an appetizer. So I was home for about an hour. Now, my plan was to start the dinner early so Karen and I could unload the guns that Jimmy didn't want and then get the package for Lois to take to Atlanta for her trip later that Who's night. Who's been carving their initials in the tomato? No, I kept looking out the window and I saw that the helicopter was gone. So I asked my brother Michael to watch the sauce and Karen and I started out. Well, that, that scene, that's like right in the middle of... <sighs> He's <laughs> Henry is all over. He's all coked up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got like Harry Nilsson, Fire on the Mountain, playing, and he's looking for the yeah, helicopter. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he goes to pick up Michael, because you know, from the hospital, <laughs> and he's gonna make Michael's favorite meal. And he's got the cutlets, which are perfect. He's gonna yeah. put out for the. So just like a Pasta Friday, right? That's, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> We're always looking outside for the helicopter. <laughs> 
<laughs> Luckily, they never came after yeah. anyone that was uh, at my house. <laughs> what is it about this movie? And like, and obviously, there is just so much. I, 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 when figuring out this podcast, I really, you know, I made like rules of the movie. You know, we're gonna highlight you know, the episodes that we do all like a, talk about a movie the whole time. I made three rules that. Uh, the movie is clearly about food. The movie takes place in a restaurant or a bar or the character or a main character works in like food or drink or something yeah. like that. And I was like, ah, oh, but Goodfellas, like, I, so I was like, okay, Goodfellas doesn't fall into that, but there will be plenty of scenes we'll talk and then, you know, and then every episode we talk a famous food scene from a non-foodie movie. So we have talked the jail scene, uh, mm-hmm. you know, then... He's getting all those amazing foods. So thin. Yeah, cutting. Yeah, exactly. Cutting the garlic. <laughs> I think that's my with favorite the, food yeah, scene in that the, movie. Yeah, with the razor. Yes. And then uh, there's even I I have I have it's one of my prized possessions uh, the painting that Joe Pesci's mom. No, with and that's the two when dogs. The, yeah, you got one dog looking one way, one dog looking oh, the other way. You man. got this guy in the middle saying, "What do you want from me?" Like, oh, that's my dad's me. favorite scene in the movie the and he best. brings it up all the time because they go in there and they're going to get the knife to finish <laughs> off that guy and then the mom like what are you doing you're like why don't you stay stay a while and just like De Niro with the ketchup bottle and oh just like my god and everything. Yes. so we're still gonna cover that scene eventually someday too <laughs> But I just, I love, you know, like, yeah, you know, we got to, can we borrow the big knife? Because we got to get the, the foot, you know, the, 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 the hoof. The hoof. The hoof. <laughs> but this scene, I love it because it's just, even in when he's selling guns and drugs and picking and, and he's all, you know, coked up and it's just hilarious that still it's just like no but I'm going to make this I'm going to cook this meal oh yeah and it was still the most important thing that he was doing was the sauce don't forget to stir the sauce sauce. (laughs) (laughs) that's such a that's such an amazing movie I, love I mean, that movie has has had such an impact me impact on me so many different in so many phases of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw it when I was when I was really young, also because it took place where I grew up. So the whole movie took place in the five towns, basically. You know, like Lorraine Bracco was from Lawrence, which was right next to the town where mm-hmm. I grew up, and the the diner when they found out that Joe Pesci was dead. My dad took me there every Sunday when I was growing oh, up. Oh, that's but awesome. I mean, yeah, that Do was you know the if that diner. Oh, it's totally still there. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, it's they re they have done it redid it a few times i think since then and okay. that that phone booth is not there <laughs> but oh, that, that diner be. is still there on rockaway turnpike um so yeah i mean i just feel like that fo- that movie has sort of followed me um there's a one scene that they're at a beach club when they meet lorraine Bracco's neighbor for the first time and yeah. they're sitting at the pool and i was a lifeguard at that, <laughs> at that beach club <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah yeah so um so it's funny. And then all the scenes with the food were just so similar to my family and, and for, you know, stirring the sauce and, and cutting the garlic super thin because, you know, God forbid you have big chunks of garlic in your sauce. No one's going to eat it. So <laughs> <laughs> It is. Yeah, it is a perfect movie just to show that realm of even food and just the, you know, no one's a professional cook in that movie, but right. just the passion yep. and precision that goes into it. And mm-hmm. if it isn't perfect, then it's just the the, the evening's ruined. <laughs> yeah, and they talk about food all the time, all the too. Time. Like, yeah. you know, they talk about what they're going to eat later. And, oh, well, you know, even that scene with the two dogs. And um, Joe Pesci's mom says to to Henry Hill, like, oh, you, you're never eating. How come you never eat? <laughs> 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 and saying to yeah, and saying to Pesci like, why don't you find a nice girl? He's like, I got a nice girl right yeah, here, yeah. mom. And I got you. <laughs> I find a nice girl every night. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Well, uh, like I said, I, I, I think I'll, I will enjoy the juxtaposition of this. Then we'll go to Little Miss Sunshine and the, <laughs> uh, the diner scene and the ice cream. So oh, yeah. Play that right now. Mom, how much can we spend? I would say $4. Anything under $4. Hi. You ready? Yeah, I'm going to have the uh, number five at the coffee place. All right. Uh, uh, number seven, over easy and uh, grapefruit juice. Grapefruit? Um, I would like a fruit plate and a, do you have chamomile? Yes. With honey, please. I would like the lumberjack and coffee and extra bacon. Extra. No, Dad, you should probably. Richard, don't start. He's going to kill himself. Well, it's his life. Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, garden salad? And you. I, I'm sorry. I, um, sorry. Take your time. Don't apologize, Olive. It's a sign of weakness. Um, well, I want, uh, okay, okay, I know what I want. I know. Okay. Can I get the, uh, waffles and, um, I think, what does alamodi mean? Oh, that means it comes with ice cream. Okay, alamodi. Olive for breakfast. Said four dollars. Okay, you're right. Okay, be right back. Actually, Olive. A la mode, uh, in French, translates literally as in the fashion. A la mode. Mode is derived from Latin modus, uh, meaning do or proper measure. Frank, shut up. Richard. Olive, can I tell you a little something about ice cream? Yeah. Well, ice cream is made from cream, which comes from cow's milk, and cream has a lot of fat in it. Richard. What? She's going to find out anyway, remember? What? What? Well, when you eat ice cream, the fat in the ice cream becomes fat in your body. Richard, I swear to God. It's true. What? What's wrong? Nothing. I mean, nothing's wrong. So, if you eat a lot of ice cream, you might become fat, and if you don't, you're going to stay nice and skinny, sweetie. Yeah. Olive, Richard is an idiot. I like a woman with meat on her bones. I don't... Uh, why is everyone so upset? No, no one's upset, honey. I... I just want you to understand it's okay to be skinny and it's okay to be fat if that's what you want to be. Whatever you want, it's okay. Okay, but Olive, let me ask you this. Those women in Miss America, are they skinny or are they fat? Honey? Well, they're skinny, I guess. Yeah. I guess they don't eat a lot of ice cream. Okay. Coffee? Coffee? Grapefruit? Thank you. Chamomile? And here's your ice cream. A la modi, right? I'll be back with your waffles in a sec. Does anyone want my ice cream? That, I mean, just another, a totally different family dynamic that yes. of, from Goodfellas, but this, but still just as like a different kind of excruciating. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Greg Kinnear in this scene is just a complete jackass. Like, I think in his mind, he's being very helpful. Yeah. And then between, you know, like him as the father and Tony Collette as the mom, you got, uh, Alan Arkin as the grandfather, Steve Carell as the uncle, and... Yeah, pretty much like Greg Kinnear is just because what he's kind of like he's a life coach. Yeah, in that movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the way he's explained to the adorable like Abigail Breslin at that <laughs> point, just you know, like ice cream's made of you know cream. Oh, and cream comes from it, it's excruciating. It's excruciating. I mean, what 
just watching that and, and as a mother, just like what kind of, what kind of food lessons do you try to set for your, for your boys? Like just as far as like educational and, you know, explaining like what's good, what's bad. And, and obviously having moments of like, yeah, okay. Eat, you know what, what you want, right? I mean, maybe you do. Yeah, no, it's exactly <laughs> that. It's like, it's, it's sort of the balance, Yeah. you know, and it, it really depends on the kid too. Yeah. You know, like my, my seven-year-old, my older son Nico is very into eating things that are healthy like he's he's the rule follower kid like he always wants to do you know not what's expected of him but like he loves to know what the rules are he wants to know like what time it is all the time and what time he's he can do things and so for him he's like well is this healthy or is that healthy and I'm like Nico it's okay if you eat things that are not healthy you know and and he will he will you know occasionally he and he enjoys treats and stuff but um so for him it's sort of easier okay (laughs) and then um my younger son, Luca, he um, he likes treats too, but they're neither one of them have a huge sweet tooth, oh, um, okay. which is and my husband doesn't either. So, and I guess I, I don't have the biggest sweet tooth, maybe, but just because we've been married now for a while and I don't eat as many sweets, but um, it's they don't they don't crave it all the time. So I I rarely have to or. I, pretty much never have to say like, no, you can't eat that. For me, it's just trying to get them to eat more vegetables and trying to find the line. It's like, okay, well, you could eat all the pasta you want, but like, let's throw some broccoli in there. And they're usually pretty, pretty good with it. But what I've learned is that you just can't force it. You know, like um, my younger son, Luca, is really thin and it always worried me that he wasn't eating enough. And the more I tried to force it, the less he would eat. So now it's like, you know, we we make good food, we put it on the table, we expect them to eat it. And if they don't, it's like, all right, you know, I mean, you're not going to get dessert if you don't eat, but you know, I'm not going to make you sit here and finish your food and, you know, clear your plate. And, you know, it's just, I I want food to be enjoyable for them. I want them to, to enjoy sitting down at the table and, and appreciate good food. And and they do for the most part, especially now, since I've kind of loosened up, especially on with the younger one about, um, about just how much he's he's eating in general. Um, my niece, my 13-year-old niece, Jasmine, definitely has a sweet tooth, which is sort of great because, you know, when she's here, like even this weekend, I'm like, all right, Jasmine, where are we getting gelato? And where are we going to go get like some fancy cupcakes or cookies? And so I really enjoy that with her. I feel like it's it's like just great bonding too that we could yeah. chat about um, all the delicious ice cream flavors and and especially in Brooklyn like all the places to explore like she's very excited to try rolled ice cream which I haven't had yet either so when she's here maybe next weekend or the the following weekend we're gonna scout around Brooklyn and find some good rolled ice cream yeah have you found any like new you know restaurants that you're like oh these are like any favorites of yours um in terms of like desserts or restaurants uh, I mean all around the food yes let me think where have we been lately that has been really good I mean we haven't been to too many places but um yeah the we've been to a couple of the Mamafuku restaurants and they're just like incredible and you know we we went to one or two before we left in 2008 but now it's like I mean, they're all so different and just amazing. Like we went to the Mamafuku Nishi and had their their um, pasta that's made from like the chickpea sauce, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, it was incredible. And uh, I went to Mamafuku Sam and had this like curry with burrata and spinach, and it was like yeah. just off the wall delicious. They're definitely like pushing, you know, pushing boundaries as you know, just yeah, really exciting stuff. Yeah, it's like things. That it's like, is this gonna be good? Like, I don't, I don't know. And then you're like, <laughs> oh my god, this is like one of the best things ever. Um, yeah, so those have been really good. Uh, where else have we 
have we eaten? We went to this place in Williamsburg that was delicious. Um, St. Um, Anselm, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And their steaks were amazing. And it was just, the service was great. Everything about it was so good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's just no shortage of places. <laughs> I mean, it's eating out in New York is just incredible. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you must be happy having moved back here for the pizza scene, right? Oh, it's so much better. <laughs> It's so much yes. better. Yes. And, and bagels. Oh, yeah. I had a bagel today. I'm like, this is a bagel. Yeah. And, you know, and I, they try in Oakland. And there was actually just like an artichoke pizza just opened in my old neighborhood in oh, Oakland. Okay. So I'm, I wonder if it's the same as it is here, if it tastes the same. And there's like a, a very specific California style of pizza. I mean, some do it on like sourdough. Um, but it's, it's like this typical thin thin crust with like you know it's usually like a really puffy light crust Mm -hmm. and it's always there's rarely slices you get you know a full pie but uh it's all the same everywhere like everyone does it and it just tastes the same and and it's good but new york is just so much better yeah you go to one place because they got great bread you go one place because they got great sauce yeah and you find that perfect slice somewhere and (laughs) yeah yeah even my boys are like mama the pizza is way better in new york like i know (laughs) Um, yeah, but yeah, when I, I think of like how to, you know, k- kids eating and trying to get them to, I've got a one-year-old niece, so I'm just very curious to see what she, because my sister has uh, very severe gluten allergy, so mm. she hasn't had any kind of gluten yet, but yeah. I think she's had pretty much tried like everything else, and even her pediatrician was like, at, you know, very young age, like give her peanut butter, because kids yeah. are not, you know, that's how peanut allergies are starting for some people, because you know, parents will wait too long to let their kids yeah. try peanut butter. And I even, but even it comes from like school systems. Cause I have a, an 11 year old cousin that like on his birthday, even like he wouldn't want to have birthday cake because they're being taught in school. Like if you eat sugar, like you're going to get diabetes and oh. they're just like, you know, almost yeah. like fear tactics. Yeah. Of like, well, it's kids. Like you can like enjoy Halloween, enjoy Easter, like when you have these big, like, you know, candy moments, but I mean, and kids love doing the opposite of what you tell them too. I mean, they're going to end up, you know, just like, you know, eating all the candy and all the cake that they can when they're allowed to, because they're not, they have been told that they can't like, you know, totally could have the opposite effect. Yeah. I definitely don't believe in, in that. Yeah. Well, we try Like my kids are picky eaters and I have tried and I have friends whose kids will eat everything and I have no idea how they have accomplished that. But, um, you know, even at Pasta Friday, I always make uh, one or two pounds of pasta just with butter and cheese on the side for the kids. So, and we would feed the kids first. So we have room for everyone else to eat. And um, rarely do the kids eat the grown up pasta, but they would. Like a couple of my friends, that their kids would always eat the grown up pasta. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you get them to eat that? Um, but we try to do the three bite rule. So the three bite rule is like you have to take three bites of something before you tell me that you that you don't like it. Mm-hmm. So no matter what it is, I mean, I won't give them anything super spicy. But like you know, if you take three bites and you still don't like it, then then you don't have to eat it. So that's that's what I try to do with them. Yeah, and and that's what even again just makes it like heartbreaking in the scene with Abigail Breslin. She's mm. just so adorable and saying like, "What's a la Modi?" And, you know, <laughs> oh, I know. And just yeah, and then. Greg Kinnear just like shooting her down, and then she gets it served, and she's like, "Does anyone want my? She just wanted waffles, alamodi, and then she just doesn't want to eat ice cream at that point." That's sad. But there's, I mean, there's at least there's a good message in the end of that movie. Yeah, she dances to <laughs> Super Freak. I know. Gets, that movie get, is so great. They get kicked out of the. <laughs> yeah, that that came. I always remember that came out the same year. Thinking of speaking of Scorsese 
like Goodfellas or Scorsese movie, uh, The Departed was the same year, and The Depart- oh. Departed won Best Picture. That was a great year for movies. Yeah, that was two thousand six. Oh very, wow! I'm very Rain Man when it comes to movies. Yeah, dates. I would have had <laughs> no idea when that came out. Yeah, it was the same year as like uh, Children of Men and The Fountain, and there's a couple other movies, great movies. Oh wow! Year. But uh, well, last but not least, we've got our uh, scene, or uh, I'm sorry, our segment of gut instincts. So <laughs> our little speed round. So just you know whatever comes to you first when I ask these questions. Mm-hmm. Favorite fast food, if any. <laughs> Or at one point. Shake Shack? <laughs> Shake Shack, okay. Yeah, Shake <laughs> Shack is a fa- fan favorite. Food, right? Yeah, you got yeah. that La Frida meat. Uh, Go to alcoholic beverage. Wine, red wine. wine. Red wine? Yeah. Favorite kind of red wine? Like uh, I really like Pinot Noirs. Ah, okay. Yeah. Nice. I could tell you my go to cocktail. Please. <laughs> uh, Mezcal Gimlet. Nice. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> favorite childhood snack? Oreos. Oreos. Mm-hmm. Would you like twist it? Oh, or definitely. Not? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Okay. Making <laughs> the double it, stuff before dunk double it. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I think I know the answer uh, to this from our just our last bit of our conversation. Sweet or savory? Savory. Yep. Yeah. Favorite food city, domestic and foreign. Oh, domestic. Uh, and I think it would have to be Brooklyn at this point. I mean. Maybe it's just because I haven't lived here for a while and I'm mm-hmm. so excited by it. But yeah, I think uh, Brooklyn and uh, where else? Probably Rome. Rome? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Rome or Barcelona? I would say Rome. I've been to Rome. I actually just ended, I went to Rome because it was, I was in Greece and I was going to Croatia. And when I was planning the trip, it was cheaper to fly from Greece to Rome, stay in Rome for two nights, and then fly to Croatia than just a flight from Greece to Croatia. So I was like, well, I'll make the best. I mean, Rome is beautiful. Yeah. Touristy, but, you know, I mean, New York being my city, that doesn't really affect me. Right. Yeah, but Rome is such a cool city, and the food really is so great. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite cuisine? Can't say Italian. Ah. That's a cop out. (laughs) It totally is. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, favorite cuisine other than Italian. Well, when I'm not eating pasta, uh, pasta, I'm always craving sushi. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'd have to say Japanese. Guilty pleasure food. <laughs> um, movie theater popcorn. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, definitely a guilty pleasure. With a whole lot of butter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like so terrible, but so good. <laughs> uh, favorite condiment. Ooh, um... Definitely hot sauces, and I have a couple in particular that I love. Ooh. Yeah, I'm such a crazy person when it comes to spice. I like things super spicy. So um, there's this brand called Tuto Calabria, and they make the best chili sauce. And it's just like Calabrian hot peppers and olive oil, and you spoon it on your pasta, and it is it is so good. Awesome. I'm yeah, so that's that really out. good. Um, and then any kind of like Asian-y chili oil I love. Yeah. I was reading your, uh, your crispy prosciutto, like about like what that, yeah, that's super good. And, um, everyone at pasta Friday was always like begging to make the the crispy (laughs) prosciutto, but I'd make it just with prosciutto ends. So you're not wasting a ton of money on really good prosciutto. So you Mm -hmm. ask the butcher for the ends and you cut it up and you put it in the oven and it gets super crispy and you just mix it with dried chili flakes and olive oil and, and mix it up and it's so good, but you got to get good chili flakes you yeah. can't go to the food store and get a jar of like brown chili uh, okay. flakes you yeah. need to get like really fresh bright red flakes good good to know yeah what's the last thing you ate 
Um, well, I had a bagel, an everything bagel toasted with veggie cream cheese this oh, morning. so good. Yeah, it was really good. While I was at waiting for my computer to not work at the Apple store. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would be your last meal? Uh, well, I mean, it may be a cop-out, but it would definitely be pasta. Mm-hmm. And uh, which pasta would it be? be um oh man i read about your father's roasted red pepper sauce oh that's such a good one yeah the roasted red pepper sauce is uh is one of my favorites since i was a kid and even you know like the neighborhood girls would come over and and <laughs> eat when like my dad's making the sauce come on over um yeah that would be a really good last meal or i mean my my grandmother's spaghetti and meatballs Ooh, could yeah. could be another good option yeah, it would be something with like a long a long noodle, like either a bucatini or a spaghetti, mm-hmm. with um, either like the red pepper sauce, all with like a meat sauce. But yeah, pasta, wine, some bread. Yeah, nothing like good meatballs. That's right? just like yes. My, you know, my my grandmother, my father's mother is a hundred percent Italian, and so a big big Italian meals. And uh, my mom is Irish German, and mm-hmm. she's a great cook. Uh, but you know, just like, just didn't have the hundred percent Italian, you yeah. know, like, yeah. you know, she's got the asterisk next to it being German Irish, but, uh, you know, she got the recipe from my grandmother and even my, I mean, my Italian grandmother learned all German recipes from her German mother-in-law, oh, wow. you know, so yeah. like she'd make sauerbraten that's really good. And she's passed these recipes on to my mom. I think one of the greatest compliments my mom's ever received was that, uh, my, you know, she made the meatballs. You know, I mean, several times, but then like one time, my dad's kind of like quiet at dinner, and like I'm always like, "Oh, thanks for dinner, mom," and like this is great, and I'm just <laughs> talking about the food. And my dad's just, you know, they're, I mean, enjoying it. But one time, he's like, oh, "These meatballs are really good," and she's like, "I can, <laughs> I can die happy now." Like I, I, you said that you know your mother's recipe, I did well. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is quite a compliment. It is quite a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you prefer, this sounds tricky, especially now uh, having moved to New York, do you prefer to dine in or dine out? Still dine in. Dine in, yeah. Yeah, I prefer to have everyone here or go to someone's house yeah. and um, to be able to sit as long as you want and enjoy the company. Yeah, that's like the best part. I mean, you know, if you if you, if you you enjoy cooking and then obviously all the other stuff is the positives of friends and family, but the biggest is like you just get to stay as long as you want, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, Although I mean, Pasta Friday, we do have a cutoff. You do have a cutoff. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you kind of have to when it's that like yes. large amount of people. Yeah. And, and also because there's so clean many kids and everything. And, yeah. Yeah. All the ki- yeah. Exactly. Yep. What would be? Uh, so I'm sure it's, it might be a, a pasta. Maybe maybe you'll surprise me. But what would be your spirit food? What what best embodies like your personality? Um, I'm gonna say. <laughs> Um, maybe a jalapeno pepper. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite foods too because I put the, I put jalapeno on everything, mm-hmm. like uh, dice it up, mix it with olive oil, sprinkle it on pasta, I put it on salads. Yeah. It, it's not super spicy, but it's crunchy, and it sort of could surprise you about how spicier or mild it could be. Um, it's yeah, I think it it's just sort of this like unexpected but always great addition to many different things (laughs) (laughs) uh 
another question you you answered, but I'll maybe I'll ask for a, a second favorite, but favorite movie snack. I mean, you said movie theater popcorn, but do you like having oh. some? Some people like you know the have, getting the something sweet too. Yes, yeah. yeah, no, Junior Mints. Junior Mints. Yeah, Junior Mints and popcorn. Nice. Yeah. Do you ever buy Junior Mints and like bring them home and freeze them or? No. Those are. I'm kind of scared to do that because I know once I start doing it. Oh yeah, it's I'm a slippery slope. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, no, no yeah. I haven't done it. Thinking of like sweet tooth, like I'm trying to be, you know, more like health conscious and just trying to eat less sweets. Mm-hmm. But like one one thing I'm doing is like I'll just have like a big bar of like you know like good dark chocolate that I'll just pick out yeah. from the free like that. Like I just I, every day I just need like after dinner like I just I I need something sweet. Yes. And so like at least like maybe just a piece of like good good dark chocolate dark is chocolate. so good. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, you definitely got to try Askenosi. Askenosi chocolate is, yeah. I think, the best. It's oh, great. I'll give it a try. Yeah. And last but not least, what's the greatest lesson you've learned in food? <sighs> Easy question. <laughs> Man, that is a tough one. It's a loaded question. Yeah, I mean, especially because food and business is so connected for me. So it's... Um, it's tough to say because I have, I would say a lesson You've in... You've learned many lessons, yeah. I've learned many lessons in creating recipes and, and the way that we eat. And then in terms of food with with running a business, um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a lesson, but I think one of the greatest things about food for me that I've learned is just, I mean, the whole concept of Pasta Friday and why I did it is the whole idea of just eating together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough people actually do it. I mean, the idea of just inviting people over to eat or just sitting with your family and just not doing meals in front of the TV and not doing, I mean, it doesn't even have to be something fancy. I mean, there are nights that my boys and I will have like rice and chickpeas for dinner because it's delicious and and it's easy to make and it's Mm -hmm. the quickest thing that I could do at the moment. But like, it's just the idea of, of just sitting down and eating together. So I think one thing that I've learned from early on from when I was a kid is just, you know, Make it, making it a meal that you could connect with people and sit down and enjoy. And I think in terms of, of food with business, um, just, I would say just appreciating every step of it, you know, like appreciating the people that you're working with and your vendors and your producers and really taking the time to get to know people. Yeah. And I guess it's sort of the same, you know, sort of the same idea as, as eating with people, but, you know, just not, not stepping over anything or you making, making everyone that, you know, a part of it and just, you know, being nice to people and trying to connect while you're also doing business with them, I guess, if that makes sense. No, those are two (laughs) great lessons. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. Sure. And thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. So Allison, thank thank you, thank you. And uh, <laughs> please right now tell everyone where they can find you. Obviously, you know, from Instagram, your book, your you know, your your restaurant and all, all of that. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram at Pasta Friday and you could pre order the Pasta Friday cookbook on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places that sell cookbooks. Um, you'll be able to find it. And um, my website's also pastafriday.com. And then the restaurant is going to be called Pasta Louise. And I don't have anything up for it yet, but I will soon. And it'll be um, at Pasta Louise. And it's going to be at uh, 8th Avenue and 8th Street in Park Slope in Brooklyn. And you also have some live events too, right? Yeah. Oh, some great events coming up. Um, In the Bay Area, I have a ton. I'm going to be at at Market Hall and Omnivore Books and um, the 
and Flora and, and Lucanda. So if you're in the Bay Area, I have tons of events and I have them all listed on my Instagram. And in New York, I'm doing um, a bunch of dinners and events. I'll be at the Prospect Park Green Market on October 5th. That's going to be super fun. Um, and then I'm doing a running event with Lululemon. And yeah, so I'm going to have all the dates posted for all of these events um, coming up soon too. I'm just finalizing a few dates awesome. for things. But I yeah. can't wait to check those out. Yeah, be cool. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I know some people have appreciated our little sign-off line, but I, I just have a feeling you'll appreciate the most, just given just how you're brought up and just what food means to you. Uh, my grandmother that I spoke of before had this line she always said when the platter was empty, and she was, you know, and there was like a few pieces, and you kind of look at everybody like, "Can I take this?" She's like, "Don't worry, there's more to cut." And so <laughs> I was just like, when I was creating this podcast, I was like, oh, "I want like a sign-off, you know, yeah. a, you know, sign-off line, a catchphrase." And there's more to cut. I mean, that just transcends from what she was saying it for, just to life and, like you're saying, appreciate everything. Yeah. So if you can remind the foodie fans by saying there's more to cut. There's more to cut. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet-